Worldwide, cardiovascular disease affects the lives of hundreds of millions. Dedicated cardio nerds everywhere are working hard to fight this global epidemic. These are their stories. Hi, everyone. Dan Amender here. On behalf of all of us at Cardiners, we are thrilled to bring you our Decipher the Guidelines series for the 2022 AHA, ACC, HFSA Guideline for the Management of Heart Failure. Get ready for short and bite-sized, high-impact, clinical vignette-based questions designed to highlight core concepts based on cutting-edge evidence that are relevant to your practice. The cases we use are hypothetical and for educational purposes only. This series was developed by Cardiners and created in collaboration with the American Heart Association and the Heart Failure Society of America. It was created by 30 trainees spanning college students through advanced fellowship with mentorship from Dr. Anu Lala, Dr. Robert Menz, and Dr. Nancy Schweitzer. We thank Dr. Judy Bizanson and Dr. Elliot Antman for their guidance. So join us as we get to learn about the guidelines and beyond from 16 leading faculty experts. With that said, it's time to get nerdy. The following question refers to section 9.5 of the 2022 AHA ACC HFSA guideline for the management of heart failure. Questions asked by Keck School of Medicine, USC medical student, and CardioNerds intern Hirsch Elhens, answered first by Cedar Sinai Medicine resident and soon to be Vanderbilt Cardiology Fellow and CardioNerds Academy Fellow Dr. Brianna Hansen, and then by expert faculty Dr. Javid Butler. Dr. Butler is an advanced heart failure and transplant cardiologist, president of the Baylor Scott and White Research Institute, senior vice president for Baylor Scott and White Health and Distinguished Professor of Medicine at the University of Mississippi. Dr. Butler, welcome back to CardioNerds. It's so nice to have you. Absolutely delighted to be here. Mark, thanks so much for, for that intro. So, Bree and, and, and Dr. Butler, um, I have a patient that I'd love to run by you guys. So, our patient is Mrs. Hart. She's a seven-year-old woman who was admitted to the CICU two days ago for signs and symptoms consistent with cardiogenic shock. Since her admission, she's been on maximal diuretics and requiring greater doses of IV dubutamine. Unfortunately, her liver and renal function continue to worsen, and her urine output is still decreasing. A right heart cath reveals elevated biventricular filling pressures with a cardiac index of 1.7 liters per minute per liter squared by the thick method. What's the next best step? And so the answer choices are A, continue current measures and monitor for improvement. Option B is switch from dobutamine to norepinephrine. Option C is place an intraaortic balloon pump. And option D is resume guideline-directed medical therapy. And Bree, you know, I have absolutely no idea what the answer is. Uh, I, I would love your help figuring out what the next step should be. Hirsch, thank you for that great and very complex question. The correct answer is C, place an intraaortic balloon pump. This patient is in between the sky shock stages C and D with elevated venous pressures, decreased urine output, and worsening signs of hypoperfusion. She's been started on appropriate therapies, including diuresis and inotropic support. The relevant class 2A recommendation is that in patients with cardiogenic shock, temporary mechanical circulatory support is reasonable when end organ function cannot be maintained by pharmacologic means alone to support cardiac function. The next best step at this point is thus a form of temporary MCS, an intraaortic balloon pump. An intraaortic balloon pump is appropriate to help increase coronary perfusion and offload the left ventricle. In fact, for patients who are not rapidly responding to initial shock measures, triage to centers that can provide temporary MCS may be considered to optimize management. The guidelines further state that in patients presenting with cardiogenic shock, 
placement of a PA line may be considered to define hemodynamic subsets and appropriate management strategies. And so, if time allows, escalation to MCS should be guided by invasively obtained hemodynamic data via PA catheterization. Several observational experiences have associated PA catheterization used with improved outcomes, particularly in conjunction with short-term MCS. Additionally, PA catheterization are useful when there is diagnostic uncertainty as to the cause of hypotension or end-organ dysfunction, particularly when the patient is in shock and is not responding to empiric initial measures such as this patient. There are additional appropriate measures at this time that are more institution-dependent. An institutional shock team would be very helpful here as they are often comprised of multidisciplinary teams of heart failure and critical care specialists, interventional cardiologists, surgeons, and palliative care specialists. As such, there is a class 2A recommendation that in patients with cardiogenic shock, management by a multidisciplinary team experienced in shock is reasonable. Most documented experiences have suggested outcomes improve after shock teams are instituted. For instance, in one such experience, the use of a shock team was associated with an improved 30-day all-cause mortality and reduced in-hospital mortality. Let's go through why the other choices are incorrect. Choice A, continue current measures and monitor for improvement. This is incorrect as the patient has been deteriorating on current measures since admission and is at a higher sky shock stage E, extremis, refractory hypotension, hypoperfusion, and cardiac arrest, and therefore requires escalation of therapy. Choice B, switching from dibutamine to norepinephrine is also incorrect. The class 1 recommendation is that in patients with cardiogenic shock, Intravenous inotropic support should be used to maintain systemic perfusion and maintain an organ performance. Dibutamine is a more potent inotrope agent than norepinephrine. Therefore, stopping dibutamine in the setting of her low cardiac index would be incorrect. And finally, choice D, resuming guideline-directed medical therapy is incorrect as this patient's shock is getting worse. The class 1 recommendation is that in patients with heart failure, GDMT should be initiated during hospitalization after clinical stability is achieved. Restarting her medications now would be premature. So to sum this together, the main takeaway, in patients with cardiogenic shock, temporary MCF is reasonable when N-organ function cannot be maintained by pharmacologic means to support cardiac function. Dr. Butler, we would love to hear your thoughts on this question. Yeah, so, I mean, this person is, is really sick. Uh, and as you said, they are sort of somewhere between sky C and D category. They are, they meet the criteria just by hemodynamic classification, cardiac index of 1.7. Uh, they are way down there. We don't have all the hemodynamics, but one can be certain that their wedge pressure is greater than 20. CVP is also uh, quite high. Their mixed venous sat is probably uh, pretty low, 40s, something like that. So, so this person really uh, is in, is in trouble. Uh, and, and, what really highlights here is not the beginning hemodynamic, uh, but the lack of response to medical therapy. So that's uh, sort of the biggest take-home message here, uh, is that this person required higher doses of diuretics, and that did not result in uh, diuresis, but all it resulted in is in decrease in urine output rather than increase in urine output. Uh, worsening renal function and increased needs, uh, need for, for inotropic therapy. So this is a perfect example, right? You know, I mean, we, when we give diuretics to patients, you know, there is a still some sense that if the creatinine bumps, that something is going wrong and people tend to withhold the diuretic. 
but obviously the the difference is that if you're responding to diuretics and diuresing and your edema is going down, then we ignore that creatinine. But if you're not diuresing, you're not you know, getting rid of excess fluid, and yet, uh, if anything, your creatinine is, is going up and you require more pressors and inotrope support, that's a sick heart. Uh, that's, that's a sick heart. So you need to do something more. But what more are you going to do? Uh, this person is already on max doses of diuretics and is on uh, uh, intravenous dobutamine. Uh, if this person was kind of sort of maybe semi-stable and now we are in a really gray zone by what what, what is the meaning of the word stable? Uh, one can argue, well, you know, should you try both dobutamine and uh, a milrinone uh, together? But boy, this person really needs mechanical circulatory support. There's a two-way recommendation in the guidelines for a person like this uh, who is in cardiogenic shock and is going in the wrong direction, not responding to medical therapy and requiring extra uh, hemodynamic support. So I think placing an intraortic balloon pump uh, is an incredibly reasonable uh, next uh, step. Now, you know, what to do with this patient once you do have the balloon pump in. So that depends on why is this person uh, not doing well. So if this person is, you know, acute myocarditis, if this person is uh, acute coronary syndrome, but has been revascularized, I mean, if there's some ray of hope uh, that this person is going to recover, then you'll just basically continue all the drips that you had with the balloon pump in. And then over the next few days, start cutting the drips back and see how the person does. And after giving the heart some rest over time, if the cardiac function improves with whatever else you're doing, either natural history of the disease and myocarditis, whether there is some specific therapy you're giving, you're able to give some uh, other uh, uh, medications uh, in terms of uh, uh, chronic therapy that you're able to slowly institute at the same time, cutting back on the inotrope therapy. In other words, everything is turning in the right direction, then sure. You can start weaning the balloon pump off uh, after the drips are off and uh, uh, after some time you just withdraw it. Uh, the problem is that if that doesn't happen and if this is not some acute hemodynamic catastrophe, but this is basically just chronic heart failure, which has just gone south. And uh, this is, you know, the third admission in the hospital for this patient and, and, and is really advanced heart failure. Uh, this is the time when you start thinking about uh, moving on from balloon pump to some more permanent form of ventricular uh, support and, and evaluation for transplant if the person otherwise is uh, younger and does not have any uh, contraindications for definitive therapies, VADs, and transplant. And unfortunately, if they do, uh, then you might want to give some finite period of try to see if things recover. Uh, I don't know what that would be. It will be individualized, a week, something like that. But then really start talking to the family members and about potential uh, for withdrawal of care, what the long-term plans are what the patient's wishes are, what the family wishes are. Uh, so, so this is really not a cookbook sort of a situation. It just has to be individualized depending on uh, the patient factors, depending on the response to therapy, and depending on uh, uh, what is the, the, the trajectory. Uh, and again, to more carefully manage this patient, uh, at least my bias is a little bit of a lower threshold for using right heart catheterization and, and hemodynamic monitoring of these patients. Uh, because that can at least take away that that guessing game uh, that if somebody is not responding to even the balloon pump or every time you try to wean the balloon pump, uh, their hemodynamic gets, you know, uh, out of whack. Uh, uh, and what exactly is going on? I think if you do that under some hemodynamic guidance, uh, you're able to make the decisions uh, much more accurately and perhaps a little bit faster. So at least that would be the way I would approach this patient. But completely agree with your uh, idea 
uh, that this person really needs uh, an antibiotic balloon pump placed. Dr. Butler, thank you so much for that amazing explanation. Great, great, great talking with you guys. 